with Independence Day falling on Sunday this year, I thought it was an opportunity to reflect together on the intersection of our faith and the founding of our country. And the contact point that I want to use to get at it is this idea that to be a prophet, to be a prophetic voice, to speak truth about what one deems to be unjust, almost probably inevitably and necessarily leads to resistance and rejection. All of the heroes that we celebrate, both in our national history, but also in the Christian tradition, experienced incredible rejection and resistance and often death for standing up for what they thought was right. Our readings today speak of this from the standpoint of faith. Our first reading, I mean, God doesn't even hide the ball with Ezekiel. He just, he makes the worst sales pitch you could ever make. You know, he says, Ezekiel, by the way, I'm calling you to be a prophetic voice to the Israelites. Now, they are a stubborn and obstinate and rebellious people. They're not going to listen to anything that you say. Go have fun. <laughs> Imagine if the bishop started an assignment meeting with that. You know, Jeremy, you're going to, um, I'm assigning you to the people of Corpus Christi. They are a stubborn, obstinate, rebellious people. Um, but I think you're going to like it there. <laughs> so he doesn't even hide the ball. He says the only consolation will be that they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. In other words, maybe he'll prick a few consciences. Right? And we know that feeling. Right? When someone has said something to us, a, a kind of challenge or criticism about us, and we know it's true, we get very defensive. Right? But often in reflection after, the reason we got super defensive is because what they said about us, we absolutely know to be true about ourselves. So God says, Ezekiel, that's going to be the only consolation. You might prick a few consciences, but you're going to be a, kind of an utter failure. You have no interest in hearing that they're a rebellious people. Jesus, of course, stands in that prophetic tradition. Right throughout the Gospels, he is rejected, he's thrown out of towns. Right? I, I, I think we've got to resist this temptation to domesticate Jesus. Right? Sometimes we, we talk about Jesus as if he was some agreeable, nice guy right? that didn't offend anyone. And yet you can't read the Gospels for more than two minutes without coming across the passage where everyone revolts against him. They try to throw him over a hill. They kick him out of the town because he has said something that unnerved them, that was unsettling, that challenged them. Jesus stands in that prophetic tradition of saying things that often incurred upon him resistance and rejection. In the Gospel today, he focuses on the fact that he was rejected among the closest. And that's true, isn't it? Sometimes the people that know us the best are the harshest towards us. A prophet is not without honor except in his native place. And this is one of the reasons that generally priests don't get assigned to their home parish. Right? People ask me all the time, um, do, you, do you ever think you'll get assigned to Marblehead? Well, if you've been to Marblehead, you would know that is a great assignment. Right? That, that's like every priest in our diocese wants Marblehead. That's my hometown. And I would say, no, no, I would never get assigned to Marblehead because the people of Marblehead know all my skeletons. Right? I can trick you people into thinking I'm <laughs> But the people of Marblehead 
They know my skeleton. So a prophet is not without honor except in his native place. He's rejected right, for his prophetic mission. Of course, ultimately, Jesus will be rejected uh, by his crucifixion. I was thinking how similarly in the heroes of our country, the country itself founded on a spirit of resistance and revolution, this incredible conviction that the British were imposing on the colonies in unjust and unfair ways that led the founders and the revolutionaries to take matters into their own hands to the point of going, right, being willing to die for the building of this country and the conception of a new form of government. The resistance and throughout the tradition in the history of our country, all the great movements, right, have been incredibly courageous people, prophetic voices who stood up right, against much ridicule and much resistance and much rejection. I, uh, I have a kind of a personal tradition that around July 4th, I always reread um, Frederick Douglass's uh, 1852 speech called What to a Slave is the Fourth of July. You've never read it. I think it's one of the top five speeches in American history. Um, he gave it, of course, um, after he had escaped slavery in the South. And he's asked to give this speech um, in New York on July 5th uh, on Independence Day. And so the speech is called What to a Slave is the Fourth of July. And it's a masterful speech. He begins by praising the founders. He begins with, for, for quite a few minutes, praising the founders, saying how brave they were, how they put uh, the country's uh, interest above their own private self-interest, how they conceived of an incredible form of government that has never been conceived of in the history of the world. Right? He praises the founders. But then, of course, he shifts to a scathing rebuke of the hypocrisy and the inconsistency of the founders, who through the institution of slavery, right, had not allowed the founding principles, the high ideals of the Declaration and the Constitution to be extended to all people. And so Douglas, I think, almost masterfully, right, in an incredibly nuanced and balanced way presents, right, the messiness of our country, right? which is the high ideals of the founding, right, this incredible conception of government uh, with the messiness, right, and the tragedy, right, that that has not always been extended uh, to all. I was thinking of that in terms of our second reading. St. Paul says, because I was so blessed to receive these direct revelations from the risen Christ, remember, Paul has this incredible experience on the road to Damascus, that so I didn't get elated, God permitted me to have some thorn in the flesh, he calls it, right? Um, we don't know what it is. It's some, maybe it's a physical disability, maybe it's a moral or spiritual weakness he couldn't overcome. We don't know what it is, but he says that thorn in his flesh, that weakness, kept him humble when he was tempted to be prideful, right? If, if the risen Christ had appeared to me, I would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sweet. I'm, I'm awesome. I'm better than you guys. Um, and, and Paul knows that, right? He knows because of the abundance of my revelations, God gave me a thorn in the side, a thorn in my flesh, so as to keep me humble, to keep me humble, to remind me that I am not as strong and as good as I think I am. 
I think that's similar to what Douglas was doing in that speech, right? And is the constant reminder in our country's history, right? That while we celebrate the founders, while we celebrate the incredible principles and the high ideals, right, that have formed this incredible flip experiment, we're also aware of the weaknesses, right? We, we, take, we confront those, right? we're aware of those, we're aware of the limitations of those ideals and how they have only gradually been fully implemented to all people. It's kind of like Martin Luther King Jr.'s notion of the promissory note, right? that only gradually has that promissory note that was present in the Declaration and the Constitution been fully realized and redeemed by more and more people uh, throughout our country's history. I was, uh, just to conclude, thinking of two quotes, one from our tradition, one from the Founders, um, the one from our tradition is Augustine, uh, one of our tapestry figures, and he said, um, if you believe what you like in the Gospels and don't and reject what you don't like, then you don't actually believe in the Gospel, you believe in yourself. And I was thinking that in terms of um, just wrestling with the messiness, like wrestling with the totality of our faith, and the totality of our country, right? To wrestle with the totality of our faith means, um, okay, there are some aspects of Christian faith that kind of naturally align and are naturally consonant with what I already think about the world. Those things are kind of easy to believe, right? But it's the areas where Jesus challenges us, right? where Jesus says things, right, that, that sort of don't align aren't in sync with what we already naturally believe. That's where faith, right, is really tested, right? So we can create a Christianity, Augustine says, in which we really worship ourselves, or we can create a Christianity in which we deal with the totality, the complexity of the figure of Jesus, who is not this agreeable, nice guy who never offended anyone, but, but, but was constantly challenging us to think about things from a new and divine perspective. But I was thinking we could almost paraphrase that with our country. If you believe and like only the parts of America that you like, right, and reject the parts that you don't like, it's you you believe in. It's not America. Right? That to wrestle with the complexity of our history, right, the totality of our history, the high ideals, and yet the times that we have fallen short, it's not a sign, right, of weakness. It's a sign that we're wrestling uh, with the entirety of our country's history. And then finally, Alexander Hamilton, the great founding father, um, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. Often quoted, but that gets us back, I think, to the prophetic uh, mission of what we're called to be as both uh, Catholic Christians and as patriots, right, as American citizens. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. To be people of principled convictions, both in our faith and in our country. That's what, that's what Jesus, of course, advocates. That's what our founding fathers advocated. But that's the challenge, to be a prophetic voice, which doesn't mean everything's perfect. But it means to be a prophetic voice, to speak truth, uh, and to speak up when we think uh, something is right. And so um, it's a great day to celebrate uh, with all the, the triumph and glory uh, that we can and yet to remember the complexity of, of our country and continue to work uh, to strive to be prophetic voices in our country and in our faith.
wherever you're 